Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? I'm back. Man, it feels good to be back. I know I haven't been making podcasts lately. I've been kind of making a lot of vlogs. I've been doing a lot of filmmaking. I've been traveling around, flying my paraglider, walking high lines. Just got back from the world record high line. Did two paragliding competitions this year. So my summer's been totally a blur. But I've been thinking, you know me, I've been thinking. And today we're going to be talking about moral philosophy, which is one of my favorite subjects but it's not something that I tie into my action sports career as much. But in a way, I'm back in the closet because this is where I record my podcasts. Pro tip, closets are a great place to record audio in your house. And in another way, I'm becoming fully uncaged because I feel like I got to tell my story. I got to I gotta let these thoughts out. I've spent actually a lot of time reading and thinking about this kind of stuff. And a lot of people make some pretty heated opinions without really, really understanding the mechanisms of such opinions. And so that's what today's episode is about. Your political views are evil. And here I am in my closet sipping chai tea. I'm going to tell you all about it. Ready? Okay. So to begin... This episode is not intended to make you feel shame, but it is intended to have you think about the mechanisms of your belief, the mechanisms of the system in which you live right now, and the mechanism of the things that you would vote for, okay? So, your political views are evil. So, what is evil? Evil has to be something objective, right? You can't just say, hey, he likes Oreo cookies and that's evil. Evil has to be objective and thus it has to be an action. It has to be a behavior. You can't have an evil thought. Although some thoughts are better than others, thoughts can't be evil. Language can't really be evil either, except you could have language that incites evil actions deliberately, which would be evil, right? If you convince someone to murder someone else, obviously that's evil, right? And so too, voting to condone evil actions is also complicitly evil, hence your political views are evil. But what actions themselves are evil if only actions can be evil? Well, the dictionary says that morally negative actions are evil. And leftists and relativists say that morality and ethics are just personal choice and they are relative. On the other side, religions say that morality is mandated by God. But many moral philosophers have shown that logic can determine morality, such as in the case of Stefan Molyneux's book Universally Preferable Behavior, a logical proof of secular ethics. It makes a solid case for such morality. Highly recommend a read. That's UPB by Molyneux. And, but today I'll try to just appeal to your humane sensibilities rather than build a syllogistic argument as to why morality is real and objective because most all of us agree on morality. And 
on, I got my notes here. We, most of us agree on morality, but most of us are conditioned to not apply the morality that we agree upon consistently to our beliefs. And this is why your political beliefs are evil, because the behaviors that you know to be evil are excused in political behavior. That's why your political views are evil. Today, we're going to talk about it. So here we go. Do you think rape is evil? Is murder evil? How about theft? Of course, you know, rape is evil, but do you know why it is? Is rape evil because it's mean? Because of feminism? Is murder evil because it's mean? Or because it hurts? No. Rape is evil for a couple reasons. One, it's non-consensual. And two, it uses force. Murder is evil because it is non-consensual and it uses force. Theft? Yep, you guessed it. It is non-consensual. It is forceful. But... Who says that people have the right to consent? That is another classic moral philosophy question that you should definitely look into, but I'll cut to the chase here. Okay? You think rape is evil, and you're right. But the evil is based on a few fundamental principles that if you understand them, you can apply those principles to the rest of your thoughts, to the rest of your beliefs, and you can really start to see the mechanisms of the moral philosophy that you want to live by, that you want society to live by, that you vote for, okay? This is, after all, a rant to try to have you more educated, more aware of the decisions that you're making, not to tell you what decisions to make, okay? So, the two principles that we're going to talk about first is self-ownership. The second is the non-aggression principle. We're also going to talk about one more in there. I'll get to that here in a minute. So, self-ownership. Is self-ownership a real principle that we should build our civilization around? I would ask you, do you own your body? Obviously, you have a body, but in the legal sense, do you own your body? In other words, do other people have the right to your body? Maybe to surgically extract your kidney? To unannounced come up to you and squeeze your genitals? To put their fingers in your mouth? Of course they don't. If we didn't own our anuses and vaginas, how would rape be wrong? Philosophically, self-ownership is derived by logic that individual agents must have autonomy, and religions, on the other side, derive it by divinity. I'd say it's both, that we're both divine and autonomous individuals, but either way, you'd be hard-pressed to imagine a system of beliefs that creates a civilized society without the principle of self-ownership. It's crucial. So, Do you own your body or not? I, for one, sure as fuck own mine. So, earlier I mentioned theft as being hypothetically evil, but I didn't elaborate much on it. So, most of us agree 
that theft is wrong, that you can't just take what isn't yours. Stealing your kidney is evil. And we went over the first principle of self-ownership, but for things outside of your physical body, there has to be a principle that establishes your right to own anything. So, do you own stuff? A car? Your clothes? Your child's dinner? Your right to bring objects that are outside of yourself into your personal domain is a concept referred to as private property. Private property is a principle built on top of self-ownership. And not only is it one of the most interesting topics in philosophy, it is also a cornerstone of the Western modern world. And again, you'd be hard-pressed to imagine a civilized society that doesn't believe that you don't have the ability to own your underwear, that grandma can't own her medications, and that parents can't own the food for their families. With people consenting, you could imagine them sharing anything that they own, but the right to to determine consent to share is literally private property. Sharing is charity. Forced sharing, we start getting into communism. On the edges of private property are where philosophy has some really, really interesting conversations. Okay? Such as, what are the limits of private property? Can you own the earth? Can you even own small parts of it? Can you own people? You should look into it. I would strongly recommend an author by the name of P.J. Proudhon. His book is called What is Property? Where he really defines what property is. In that book, he argues that you shouldn't be able to actually own land. The earth is a collective resource that you can't actually own. And because of that, he proposes that rather than owning land, you should actually pay some kind of rent to the collective community. Obviously, if you owned land or if you rented land way out in the middle of the desert that no one could improve upon, then the rent would be quite cheap. But Times Square would be pretty expensive and the companies that were building value upon that land would have to pay to the collective community quite a sum. But that's just one example, little tangent as to the limits of private property. But the private the, the concept of private property is something that we we have to have at some level, right? It is built on self-ownership, that you own yourself, that you own your life, that you own your body. And therefore, to sustain your life, you actually have to have certain things. And you have to have a right that says that people can't just come and take whatever they want from you at any given time, right? So, now that we have private property... Okay. So now we have self-ownership. You're the keeper of your anus and your kidneys. And we have private property that no one can just come and take your undies. The third pillar of 
principle we'll discuss here is called the NAP, or it's the non-aggression principle. This is the first one that I really found out about that really brought me in to the whole discussion of moral philosophy. And I'll tell you that I came into the concept of the non-aggression principle because I spent lots of time thinking about whether or not it was moral for parents to spank their children. And I say, no, it is, of course, not moral for you to spank your children. Of that, I will get into here. Self-ownership says that you that you can't have your kidney taken, but how about having your kidney punched? Do you have the right to not be hit? Do you have the right to not be threatened to be hit? To not have a gun pointed at you? To not be shot? To not be forced into confinement? Of course you do. Of course you have the right to not be hit or shot or threatened or caged. If you didn't, how would rape be wrong? Right? So, of course you have a right to not be hit. Here in America, we have laws that say that if you hit someone, we call that assault. Yeah, you can't hit people. Somehow, in America, it's legal for you to hit your children, which is super fucked up and denies the child's A, self-ownership, and B, non-aggression principle that says you can't aggress upon people. But a little tangent here, the non-aggression principle is the initiation of the use of force. So hypothetically, if someone were to initiate the use of force against you, self-defense, using force, using violence to defend yourself is outside of that and the initiation of the use of force is actually what the non-aggression principle talks about. So, just a little a little side note. But, like I said, if, if you didn't have the right to not be aggressed upon, rape would not be wrong, right? Like, if I could just use force against whoever I wanted, then I could rape someone. And if that person didn't have self-ownership, then I could rape them too, right? So, We all agree that rape is wrong, but understanding why it's wrong is really important because consistency is key here in life and especially in philosophy and especially when you're making huge decisions like how you're going to force your will onto other people through the government. Okay, we'll get to that, but you're right. Rape is wrong. It's evil. It's evil because you have self-ownership of your body and with it, you have the right to control by consent what goes in or on it. You also have the right to not be aggressed upon. Rape is evil because it's a breach of these two moral principles. If it was consensual and forceful, we'd call it rough sex. If it weren't consensual but lacked any force, we'd call it rejection, right? Murder is wrong for exactly the same reasons. Okay? Theft, on the other hand, is evil because it's non-consensual and it breaches private property. If it were consensual, we'd call it gifting or charity. And sometimes theft involves force too, like in the case of muggings. And in every case, there is a force element of in theft where the robber physically takes your shit, Right? So, now we've kind of established why rape, murder, and theft are immoral, why they're evil, but now comes the really hard part, 
where we have to look at our own beliefs with a scrutinous eye and say, if we believe that certain principles can guide our behavior, those are called ethics, those are called morals. If we, have, if we claim to have those things, we actually have to apply them to all of our beliefs, to all of our actions. So, the reality is that it's difficult because we are all conditioned in myriad ways. Many, many ways. We're conditioned by our environment. We're conditioned by our society. We're conditioned by our own minds. And this conditioning, it covers up the truth. Okay, And when the Buddha talks about enlightenment, he's not talking about a new way to condition ourselves and our minds, but rather a way to shed every type of conditioning. A way to be aligned with the truth of what is. This alignment, this is the salvation that Jesus refers to. Truth is consistent. And philosophy is the art of testing truth through consistency. So, Let's run some of our views through these principles to see if they're evil like rape. Let's talk about democracy and taxation. Let's talk about socialism. Let's talk about parenting. Okay? So, to start, let's talk about democracy. Democracy is this golden god that we have held up in the West But the reality is that 51 versus 49 seems non-consensual, right? If 51 gets to impose the will on 49, then 49% of the population has clearly voted that they're non-consenting. So for those things to be imposed on them with force then that sounds like evil to me for the same way rape is evil, right? Non-consensual and forceful. So, I'm going to refer to a number of things as in government as the use of force. And I know the vast majority of the population has not heard government action referred to in this way. And of course they haven't. The government tries to paint itself as benevolent. Parents try to paint themselves as benevolent. That's why spanking is still legal. That's why spanking is parents doing their best. There's air quotes there. And I'm just trying to help you or any number of the bullshit lies that parents tell their kids when they abuse them. Physically, verbally, mentally. So... The government, and I'm not just saying the American government, okay? Any government, essentially, at its core, in its essence, is the monopolization of the use of force in a given geographical region, okay? So I'll say that again. A government is a monopoly on the use of force in a given region. So in our region of America, we have the United States federal government, And they monopolize the use of force in said region. When I say they monopolize the use of force, it means that legally, the only person who can shoot someone dead or take handcuffs and wrestle someone to the ground and lock them up in a cage is the government. 
Every law, therefore, is backed by violence. You can even just imagine this or experience it in your own life, like I kind of did when I was like 17, by getting a traffic ticket. Don't pay said traffic ticket. Don't go to court. Don't respond to the letters that come to the house. This is a traffic ticket. This was from rolling a stop sign. There was no victim. Didn't pay the traffic ticket. Escalates. If you continue to ignore it, it will escalate to a warrant. A warrant is literally the government having the okay by a judge for them to impose violence on you, right? To, to physically restrain you with handcuffs, to wrestle you. If you resist, that, that warrant, that legal stamp of approval by the judicial system to apprehend you, if you resist that, of course, you know what happens, right? If you resist arrest from an officer, they escalate their use of force. They go from wrestling to tasing, from tasing to shooting you dead with a gun, right? So we're talking about a traffic ticket here, right? So every law is backed up by violence, okay? That is not inherently evil in itself, okay? Like if there was a law that said you can't murder people and you try to murder someone and the enforcer of said law uses force against you, then obviously that's, that's not an evil situation. The problem becomes with the consent, right? So the problem becomes there with the consent. So in a free society, you would have to have consent that if you were to break said law, that force can be used upon you. And in our current system, we have such contracts. We call them contracts, <laughs> right? Even your cell phone provider has you sign an agreement that says that if they don't receive payment from you, that they can escalate to you being sent to collections. Collections agencies have the right to then take you to court and have a settlement paid against you put like a, a settlement put against you. If you don't pay the settlement, the, the settlement can go to the IRS. If you don't pay the IRS, then you're essentially a tax evader, right? If you don't pay your taxes, you can go to jail. If you resist being arrested to go to jail for your taxes, you can be killed. Even the minutia laws of our system are enforced by violence, okay? But don't get me wrong, that is not the evil part of our current system. We all know that how you get consent in America is a very specific ordeal. As adults, we sign our consent daily, if not weekly or monthly or annually. We sign all kinds of contracts that are legally binding that say, if we don't pay this, then things will escalate. But somehow, we don't ever get to consent to the laws that are put upon us in the geographical region in which we are born or in which we live. 
this becomes a huge problem. If you talk to statists, most times they'll say, if you don't like the laws, then just get out of here, which is a pretty feeble-minded way to think about things. But I do think that there are certain behaviors that we must be able to use force to enforce, to stop, right? If someone is raping my girlfriend and I've got a gun in my hand, the chance that I shoot them dead is really, really good. And morally, I ha- my conscience is, although traumatized, clear. To say that murderers and rapists can't have force used against them to stop them, that's not what I'm talking about. But if we're going to live in a free society, we're going to have to have consenting adults agreeing on the laws that they're going to live under, right? Because the day you turn 18 in this country, you go from the tyrannical hold of your parents who can beat you to now living under all the laws that your forefathers and politicians and crony capitalists have put on your plate, right? It's a a pretty obvious problem. So, the next thing I want to talk about is taxation, which the typical conditioned response to taxation goes something like, it's the price we pay for civilization, air quotes. It's how we build roads, air quotes. If you don't like it, leave. Okay? But you could imagine that if a politician ran a campaign saying we are going to increase taxes so that we can fund murders of black babies in the ghetto, that people should have the right to abstain from paying said taxes. And even if such a evil law passed by 51 over 49, then 49% of the people would be enforced by violence to pay such a tax. The same could be true for an unjust war. If a politician pledged that they would raise the taxes for an unjust war and 49% of the population was against said war, then they would be forced by violence to pay said tax. Tax evasion is a crime, can lead to being imprisoned. If you resist arrest, you can be killed. It's backed up by violence, folks. It's just a, if you just do the mental exercise of just trying to understand the mechanisms of the system, trying to understand the mechanisms of laws, if you just do that enough, you'll, you'll see that all laws are backed up by violence, okay? And that's not the evil part. But it's the consent that makes it evil. We can use force, okay, but you got to be consenting. It's got to be rough sex, okay? It can't be rape. So, obviously, I would not be consenting to the unjust war, nor would I consent to the tax levied to murder black children in the ghetto. But, hypothetically, I could be forced to pay for that. And when I say force, I mean it in the literal sense. But, 
if you take that understanding that there are things that I shouldn't have to pay for if I don't agree with them, then you could say the same thing about me not agreeing with Bernie Sanders's tax levies for un- excuse me, universal health care, free college, war, the U.S. Forest Service, the IRS, the Federal Reserve, the huge bank bailouts, the corn subsidies, all these things that I have to pay for against my will. If I don't pay, they will come to my house with guns. This is the reality of the situation that we have right now. So I want to put it into, like, I want to put it into these terms so that you can see so that you can be a little bit more afraid of your vote because the reality is that our political system is the use of force and right or left is merely just arguing over who gets to hold the gun in the room. The left thinks it should be pointed over here at these people who don't pay enough taxes and they're rich and we should pay for the poor people and we should pay for this. And the right thinks, oh, don't don't do that. We got to pay for this and we got to pay for this. So basically right or left is just arguing over who gets to hold the gun in the room. All the while the anarchists and the libertarians are here saying, hey, we ought take this gun out of the room. And if there is going to be a gun in the room, man, we should be really careful with it. Man, we should have some more respect for the use of force in our society. Because The same people who vote for Bernie Sanders to have universal health care are the same people who outcry Black Lives Matter when a police officer uses force unjustly against someone in the ghetto. Right? It's a fucking tragedy. Don't get me wrong, but you got to have a little consistency in your ability to see what is right and what is wrong. The last thing that I'll leave you with here is let's apply these three principles to parenting. Can you own your child? Can you hit your child? Fuck, no, you can't. What are you, crazy? What are you, evil? It's funny because I was occasionally hit. I was occasionally spanked. But I knew kids who were, like, it was the first line of behavior modification. Kid stepped out of line just a little bit, bam, swat him, hit him, kick him, whatever it was, right? Those same parents, if you asked them if beating your children for no reason was wrong, they would say yes. But somehow, beating them for a reason was right. It's not how it goes, folks. If you want to modify your girlfriend's behavior, you can't beat her. If you want to modify your friend's behavior, you can't beat them. If you want to modify a stranger's behavior and you beat them, it's assault. You can go to prison for that. But somehow, if you want to modify your child's behavior, it's legal in America to beat them. That's super fucked. And there's a lot of countries out there who have made it illegal to hit your kids, which is a pretty reasonable thing, right? So, that's not a political view, but it is a view. And if you think you can beat kids, sorry, that's evil. And I'm not afraid to call a spade a spade, folks. Remember, 
Moral condemnation is the way out of hell. If you think the world is fucked up, a really good way to rest easy at night is to know why it's fucked up. What is fucked up about it? If you think there's evil in the world, it is scary if you don't know where it is. If you see it in people around you, but you don't know how to call it. If you can turn the lights on morally so that you can identify what is right and what is wrong, man, life gets a lot easier. Gets a lot easier to deal with. I love you. Thank you for listening. I hope this was in some way helpful, some way enlightening, because, man, this sure as shit ain't the message you're getting on TV, on the internet, in the media. You are definitely not getting this message. So, if you like it, spread it around. I'm stoked to be back. I'm on a fucking tear. Look out. I'm coming after all the parents that beat people, and I'm coming after all the people who want to rape and murder and hit. I'm fucking Batman, folks! Woo! See you on the next episode.